In this edition of Locked On Capitals, your Washington Capitals fall to the division rival Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's talk about that game next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we talk about the game tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, that Pittsburgh Penguins, the arch nemesis of this Washington Capitals team, and they lose. They've lost the last five of six. We'll talk about that in the show. Later on, we'll talk about the physical game. And then in the final segment, we'll talk about what's next for this Caps team as they take on the Lightning on Friday night. But just to get it going here, the Caps do fall by a score of 4-1. to one. And this was a game that saw you know a lot of momentum in the Capitals' favor in the first period. They were getting a lot of shots on net. And at points in the first period to start it off, they were getting more shots on net than the Penguins were. And then maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've heard it in this podcast before. The Capitals did not play a complete game. Tonight was no exception. They started, like I said, the first period with great momentum and great speed and getting a lot of shots on goal. And then at some point, they just take their eyes off the puck. They start, you know, getting drawn into stupid penalties, Garnet Hathaway in particular. You know, I know that he's a guy that kind of plays with a lot of you know, uh, emotion and, you know, anger, I guess, to a certain extent. But sometimes that's to the detriment uh, of this team. And I know oftentimes in this podcast, I talk about the lack of a physical game. Um, and, you know, you don't want it absent completely. But, you know, the Capitals and, you know, like any other team out there, that you're not going to win a game if you're spending a lion's share of your time in the penalty box. Um and it was a rough game, you know, to be fair, there was a lot of uh, physicality by the Penguins and as well. If you remember Crosby out there who kept cross-checking uh, Martin Faravari and then Martin Faravari kind of got in his face. I kind of wish they would have dropped the gloves because, you know, I know Sid Cros- Sidney Crosby thinks he's a tough guy, you know, but I would have liked to seen him get knocked out by uh, Martin Faravari. I think that would have been a really fun fight because, you know, Crosby, he is one heck of a hockey player and he will be revered as one of the better players when it's all said and done. But, you know, kind of a jerk, you know, sometimes out on the ice. So, you know, th- again, this was another game that we're kind of missing Wilson out there. Uh, you know, uh, maybe Martin Faravari might have been a little undersized in comparison to Crosby. But in any event, you know, there was a physicality and Faravari did shove him back. And, you know, it didn't go un, uh, you know, unchecked, if you will. But that was the story of the game. The other big thing for me in this game was Darcy Kemper. And I'm a champion of Darcy. I like Darcy. I think he does a great job on this team. But, you know, in his own words, he allowed in some uncharacteristic 
goals. You know, the one that, you know, sticks out to me the most is where he had actually stopped the puck between his skates and then in positioning to move back and forth, the puck actually squirted underneath between his uh, skates and crossed the line and it was a goal. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what set the wheels in motion. It kind of seems to me like it almost kind of rattled Darcy, um, you know, like he talked about, and I'll mention a little bit later in the show, he said that it was an uncharacteristic goal for him and that upset him. It kind of rattled him a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that that kind of just, it did, it rattled him and it kind of took him off his game because he allowed um, more goals, subsequent goals after that. And that's uncharacteristic of him. And if you watch the game on TNT tonight, they were saying that the one thing the Capitals have to do between the second and third period is do a goalie change, put in Charlie Lindgren. And I understand that school of thought, and I understand where they're coming from, but I don't think that that was the right answer tonight. I don't honestly think that if you would have put Charlie Lindgren in in the third period, that would have done enough to stem the tide. I don't think that that would have triggered the Capitals into scoring a bunch of goals. It was just not their night. I think that Peter Laviolette... Um, is an experienced enough coach that he kind of saw how the team was performing and he could tell that changing the goalie was not going to do enough. Um, you know, when you're down three goals, you know, and then towards the end, they end up losing four to one. But when you're down a good chunk of the game, three to nothing, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not going to be an easy thing to to get back in the game. I understand the thought process behind it is you want to get kind of a momentum change. But I don't think putting Charlie in there was the right idea. And it's a kind of, it's a multi-tiered decision. The other part of it as well is you don't want Darcy to start thinking that, you know, the team doesn't trust him. Because let's be honest, and let's give Darcy a break here. He has played lights out hockey for this team since he came here. And, you know, uh, you don't see a lot of situations where he allows in any beach balls, shall we say. You know, there are a couple fluky goals. And let's kind of just leave it at that. They were fluky goals, uncharacteristic goals that he allowed in. But now the Capitals, they need to move on from it. They need to refocus as they take on the Lightning on Friday night. It's going to be a big game, and this schedule is not going to get any easier for this Capitals team. My only hope and my wish for this team was that they were able to kind of ride that momentum of the last game against the Oilers because now, you know, they've lost you know, quite a few games here, you know, they won one and now all of a sudden they lost another one. So it kind of any momentum that they had going in the right direction has been vacuumed out of the equation. So the Capitals, they don't have a lot of time to, you know, to figure out what went wrong. They just need to know that they need to make changes. They need to take a look at the film. You know, this is one of the games that they really, really wanted to win. This was against a team that the Capitals have hated for years. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, all those players on that team that have, you know, kind of given this Caps team fits for years and they came back and they almost, you know, laid a goose egg on this Capitals team. They ended up getting one goal uh, by Mojo from Strome behind the net, but, uh, or excuse me, uh, from Milano behind the net. But that, you know, that's all the production that they had was, was that one goal. And uh, that's not enough. You know, I think that, you know, it, it's a competitive Metro division. You need to win these games. Uh, and the Capitals are struggling, you know, and this was a game that's, uh, uh, Alex Alexiev inserted into the lineup, 
And, uh, you know, again, it, this it would have just been the, a good feeling for this Capitals team to have continued to ride the momentum uh, of this last game because that was against a formidable opponent in the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, you know, listen, Caps fans, it's not going to get any easier out there. It's not going to be an easy win against Tampa as they play them in the, and Friday and Sunday. So they got to be up for it. They got to figure it out. Uh, as we all know that the Tampa Bay Lightning have won multiple Stanley Cups, so it's not going to be an easy out, as they say. All right, so after the break, we will break down the game a little bit more in depth. What went right? Is there anything that went right? <laughs> there is some things that went right. And the things that went wrong, we'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And guys, even if you don't like to bet on a lot of different things, you could bet on the next game against the Capitals and Lightning. And it makes watching the games that much more exciting. So go to Bet Online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide Locked On Sports today. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, we're talking about the Capitals as they fall to the Penguins by a score of 4-1. to one. And it wasn't the outcome that we were looking for. Of course, it would have been good to pick up a dub, a W tonight, wouldn't it? Against a Penguins team that has given this Caps fits uh, team fits for years, uh, but just to to take a look at it, um, you know, uh, just to start off here, Kuzi playing big, uh, he ended up uh, drawing a penalty uh, on Crosby, or excuse me, Kuzi had a penalty because he stopped a Crosby scoring play, and uh, that was definitely one of those out there that would have been a scoring play, so sometimes it's okay to have a penalty. In that case, if Kuznetsov would not have done what he would have done. That would have been yet another goal or the first goal of the game. Uh, but that kind of just set the wheels in motion here. And this was a game, like I talked about, the Capitals started with speed, but then they fell off after 20, the first period. And, uh, you know, that's the one of the things that Capitals all have to do is they're going to have to take that energy and they're just going to have to keep pushing it throughout the game. You can play one period of hockey. You've got to play a full game. And that's nothing a novel or new to say. It's kind of the fundamentals of sports and hockey in this case. And the Capitals have got to find a way to figure it out. For me, I don't know what it is. I watch all the games, of course, but it just seems that sometimes they lose focus. And for me, I think what it is, is it's a little things in the game that kind of cause them to take their eyes off the puck. You know, for what I noticed in the game tonight, is after that first goal, there was that fluky goal that went between his pads and Darcy Camper was a little rattled. I also think, 
it rattled the rest of the Capitals team because, you know, for the most part, Darcy Kemper has been a brick wall in net. And for whatever reason, I just think that the Penguins ended up turning up their pressure. Darcy allowed some fluky goals, and that's what set the wheels in motion. Then all of a sudden you enter in the frustration. The Capitals were frustrated, no doubt. Um, and then, you know, that's the way you got to kind of brush it off your shoulders. You are professional hockey players at the end of the day. You should be able to do it. Kemper finished the game with 24 saves on 27 shots. That's good for a .889 save percentage. Um, you know, not a characteristic game for Darcy. So what is my uh, assessment? What do I think the capital should do in net in the next game? Should they go back to Darcy? Or should they go back to Charlie Lindgren? You know, it's kind of a, a multi-tiered question. Part of it is, if you don't go back to Darcy, is he going to think that you don't have faith in him anymore because he played one bad game? Or should you go to Charlie Lindgren, who was a hot hand, who picked up a big W against the Oilers to kind of, you know, get that momentum going? And let's face it here, the Capitals fans, we don't have a lot of time to worry about emotions and feelings. If I was Peter Lavulette, if I was wearing the head coach hat, I would go with Charlie Lindgren. I know that Darcy's played well, but, you know, we don't got time to screw around here. And we know he had one off game. I don't know what was behind that. I don't think that he knows what's going on with that. Um, but we, again, we don't have time to sit there and figure out what, what went wrong. Again, if I was the head coach of the team, the next game, I would put Charlie back in net. And uh, I, that's what I thought about tonight. I think, you know, I thought they should have gone with a hot hand, continue to keep riding that forward. But again, I'm not the head coach of the team. I am just a fan um, Darcy Kemper said, yeah, I don't like letting in goals like that. And I'm not used to letting in goals like that. Kemper said, so that's frustrating, especially in a loss. I hate to lose. So tonight was a bad thing. And of course he hates to lose. They all hate to lose. And you know, if you're a goalie playing at the highest level possible, the NHL, obviously you take pride in your work and you're, you know, you're good enough to be here. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. But whatever the case is, Darcy's got to dial it in. He's got to figure out what went wrong. You know, maybe it isn't one thing that went wrong. I don't think that, you know, he had a physical problem. I don't think he was injured. I just think that, you know, maybe he wasn't in the right headspace and the Capitals weren't, the defense wasn't playing stout enough in front of him. But, you know, uh, he does bear a brunt to some of the blame there. I mean, the couple of pucks that you saw that the one that squirted between his skates, that was on him. And, you know, I don't think he knew where the puck was. I don't think that, of course, he wanted the puck to go in. But I would just say as a fan of the team that it didn't look like uh, sound uh, mechanically. You know, I, I just don't think that he he played the puck the, the right way. And then there was another fluky goal. And then there was the one that was shot from about half ice. And he was screened, but like they talked about in the broadcast, he did see it and his glove was up here and the puck just went over here and it just, you know, it just, he wasn't dialed in. That was a puck that he should have been able to stop and he didn't. And that's uncharacteristic Darcy. I get that. Um, but that's one of the things he's going to have to work on. Again, I would go back with Char go to Charlie in this next game, try to get back in the win column. You got to do it. You got to get that momentum going in the right direction. Um, otherwise, things can kind of spit out of spin out of control here. Washington also got four power play opportunities, but squandered all of them. 
that's the one thing that you got to do. And the Capitals power play, you know, other than this game in Edmonton and previous games has been going in the right direction, but that got kind of shot in the foot uh, tonight as they, you know, they fell off. And, you know, I think part of it is, is, you know, they want to rise to the challenge. They're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's a really great team. It's one of the, their biggest rivalries out there. If not the biggest, I'm going to go ahead and say it's their biggest rivalry. I know that there's some that's been inserted over the years, you know, see the Bruins, see the Flyers, see that different play, teams like that. But I would pick that the Penguins are the biggest rivals of the Capitals by far. So it is kind of, you know, it leaves more of a sour taste in your mouth than it would, say, another team that you play once a year, say the Minnesota Wild or, you know, like the Winnipeg Jets, something like that. Um, so the Capitals got to find a way to figure it out and get back into the win column. And I think they're able to do it. You know, the, the my pre, uh, pleasant surprise in the game tonight, and I talked about it ever since his first game here, you know, a few games ago was Sonny Milano, you know, shooting the puck behind Mojo and him slamming it home. And, uh, and Sonny Milano himself has had a lot of good scoring opportunities. I think that he has a good nose for the puck. I think he has a good hockey sense. He gets a lot of pucks on net. That's what the Capitals are looking for. You know, he didn't have a good time on the PTO with the Flames. He had a really uh, great year last year with the Ducks, um, playing with Zegras. They, what they need to do is they need to hope that he can catch fire like that. I, I What I've seen in a small sample size of Sonny Milano, I like. I think that he's part of the equation. Then you have Nicholas Abe-Kubel, who played in a limited capacity. He has a bit of that that physicality that I like. You know, he made uh, a big hit out there. Um, and so he's adding some of that physical game in the absence of Tom Wilson. So, you know, they're adding these small pieces to try to piecemeal together uh, a, a cohesive unit that's going to be able to win hockey games. But part of the thing that you're starting to notice out there, it's a lot of things. It's Tom Wilson's physical game. It's John Carlson's defense um, it's Nick Backstrom dishing those great passes to to the wingers. You know, you start adding that all up in a calculator and you look at it and you start saying, that is why this team isn't playing that well. Um, and, you know, I hear a lot of people, I hear uh, Peter Laviolette talk about it, that, you know, it's injuries have nothing to do with it. They have a lot to do with it. John Carlson's defense, Tom Wilson's goal scoring in his physical game, Nick Backstrom dishing those great pucks. TJ Oshie's great hockey sense out there. Uh, Beck Malenstein that went to fill in that physical game, he's injured. You know, you just, and Dmitry Orloff, there's just, you know, if you start to think about all the injuries on this team and all the players that are out, it kind of draws it into focus a little bit, doesn't it? You know, uh, I guess I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying anything like that, but, you know, if you just start breaking down each player that's out of this lineup right now and what they bring to this team, and then you start subtracting it. Tom Wilson, for me, you know, I know Nick Backstrom plays a big role, but Tom Wilson is a huge, huge loss for this team. And I know that we're getting him back sooner than any of the other players on the list. We're going to get him back anywhere between uh, Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas is what it's charted at. But as of right now, we are really noticing the impact, the vacuum of him out of this lineup. Um, so when he comes back, I think that's going to put the caps in a good direction. And then, of course, you got T.G. Oshie and John Carlson and Dmitry Orloff and all these guys, two top defensemen, Orloff and John Carlson. You can't just, you know, think you're going to be able to put in, you know, um, 
a Lucas Johansson or an Alex uh, Alexiev, and they're going to to fill that role. They're just intrinsically not on that level yet. You're not going to be able to just plug in someone for a John Carlson and someone for Dmitry Orlov. It's not an apples for apples comparison. So yes, it is safe to say that the Capitals are struggling because of missing some key integral uh, players on this team. So, so the pens also, I mean, if you want to start crossing off excuses, you know, and stop, you know, giving the capitals any excuses in this particular game, why they lost at one point in the game, the penguins were down three defensemen. Um, and they ended up getting back. Petrie ended up, ended up coming back to the game. But if you looked at Todd Reardon on the net, he kind of on the, bench rather he kind of was like well man who am I going to have play out here um so they were even talking about having wingers uh playing defense positions and you know when you're playing at the NHL level you've probably pretty much played every position at some point uh maybe not maybe not goalie but I'm sure you know as your progression from you know your most earliest days to the NHL there's a time that you were a defenseman and a forward so I know it's not intrinsically one of their positions or their native position but I think that you know in a pinch they probably could have done it but what I'm saying here is that we can kind of cross off that excuse uh, that this Capitals team didn't play well for this or that. They were down to three defensemen at one point uh, and found a way to win. So again, you know, you can kind of just start crossing off the different excuses there. Alex Ovechkin skated with Dylan Strom and Sonny Milano and also skated with Anthony Mantha and Lars Eller. Ovi also stayed in his normal spot, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Connor Sheary. Uh, Alexi Protas, uh, Protas was given a chance as well. Um, so ultimately what... Peter Lavulette did is he just took up all the lineups and he put it in a blender. He it was a snow globe and just shook it up and tried to say, Hey, I'm going to give this penguins team as many different looks as I possibly can. I'm going to try to get any kind of offensive scoring uh, shots on net and, you know, any scoring opportunity, many shots as possible. And ultimately it was not enough. Uh, so the Capitals, you know, I, and, you know, to Peter Lavulette's credit, he was trying to do what he could do. He understands the situation, and I don't fault uh, Peter Lavulette at all with the game tonight. I just don't. He tried to do what he could do. He shook up the lineups. He did this. He did that. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there's probably going to be some people, on, you know, talking talking heads and beat writers and stuff that are going to say, why didn't they put in Charlie Lindgren as a guy that's a fan of this team and does this podcast? I don't think that would have made a difference. I understand that that's more of just like a statement thing, but I don't think that would have been enough. A physical game, Alex Ovechkin led with seven hits and was throwing players down to the ice, including Jason Zucker. Garnet Hathaway was doing what he does best, is being the chirper in charge, and he did that. He was getting under Gensel's skin. A lot of other players out there as well. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's what uh, part of Hathaway's game. You know, I'm not saying that's all he brings to the table, but you know, that was, that's definitely part of his game is being uh, the instigator to be the guy that's, you know, whispering in your ears, really horrible things, I imagine. And, uh, you know, anyway, the, whatever the, what Ovechkin good, he brought the physical game because he's got that big frame. He is the bull in the China shop. He is trying to do what he can do physically in the absence of some big players like a Tom Wilson, other big players, because there are some bigger frames on this capitals team. None of them are really alphas they're not tough guys out there you know you look at mantha you know i i mean 
when he got in a fight, it was kind of awkward to watch. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that have tried to step up and play that role, but ultimately none of them have really fit the bill. All right. So after the break here, we will talk about what's next for this Capitals team. We'll talk about that next. All right. Welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team Every day in this episode, we're talking about how the Capitals fall to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that stings a little bit more than it usually does because it is against the Penguins. I mean, let's face it. You, I mean, again, you can lose to a team that you play a one-off. You know, if you lose one to the Coyotes, you know, that's kind of a bummer because they're a horrible team. Or if you lose one to the Jets or the, the Wild or, you know, these teams that you play only once or twice a year, you know, there's not any bad blood in there. You know, it stings, but it doesn't sting as bad as losing to the Penguins. That is the lowest of the low for the Washington Capitals is to lose against the Penguins. That's that blood, bad blood over years of between Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby and Melkin and Latang and just, oh, I hate those guys, right? So for them to just kind of have the steamroller just steamroll over this Capitals team was really kind of rubbing salt in the wound and it really kind of stung. So, you know, for me, I was obviously hoping for that big win, that W tonight against the Penguins uh, because there is such a history. But one of the things that they have in common is that they're both aging rosters, right? And they're kind of starting to see that drawn to focus here a little bit. Um, you take a look at the the Capitals, you know, you have Ovechkin who's getting grayer and grayer all the time. And Nick Backstrom, who is suffering from, you know, a hip issue with that resurfacing. And Lars Eller's production has dipped. And John Carlson is, you know, not the player he once was. And on the other side of the thing, of the fence there, Crosby and Melkin and Latang, they're not as young. So, you know, it is kind of interesting, the comparables between the two teams. They are bitter rivals. Um, and they're definitely starting to see age be a factor in their team. So, you know, I think that going forward, both of these teams have some big decisions to make um, as far as getting younger. Um, you know, there are certain promises made by, to Alex Ovechkin that he's going to play in a competitive team like I've talked about in this podcast. So I don't think you're going to see, you know, a tear it down to the studs rebuild. But at some point that's coming. But there are always exceptions to the rule. Take a look at the Boston Bruins. They are an aging team as well, and they are playing very well. So it's not... It's not a, an, a, an exact thing, you know, just because your team is older doesn't mean that they're not going to play as well. But I would say that that's at least a part of the equation for the Pens and for the Caps is that they're both aging teams. They're both teams that have really gone all in on certain players. You know, there is a certain fondness for Ovechkin and Backstrom and Carlson. These guys that have been on this team for so many years that you can almost not imagine this Capitals team without them here. And that's going to be the case at some point. But I think that, you know, to a certain extent, the, the Caps and the Penguins, Penguins, they're going to have to move on from these players and get that young blood in there. And you're starting to see it. Martin Faravari uh, was the first player in some time to move up through Hershey onto the Capitals and solidify a spot every game on this team. The last one since what Tom Wilson or Braden Holtby, so the Caps are going to have to keep going in that direction. And they are doing that now based on necessity. You're seeing Lucas Johansson. You're seeing Alex Alexiev. Uh, you saw Beck Malenstein. You're seeing all these players finally getting their big opportunity. So all the people, the Caps fans that said, you know, you got to give, you know, Connor McMichael and you got to give 
um, these different players. You got to give Hendricks Lapierre and Joe Snively their opportunity. I get that you do. Um, but we're seeing kind of what we have in the tank. And I know what people are going to say right away. Connor McMichael has not had a good enough luck, a good enough look. And I agree with that, but you know, as a caps fan, you know, honestly, in your heart of hearts, you know, putting aside the fact how high Connor McMichael was drafted, are you going to subtract Connor McMichael or excuse me, are you going to put Connor McMichael into the lineup and take Sonny Milano out there's no way possible that I would ever do that. Not right now. I think at some point, Connor McMichael will be that guy. But what we've seen in a small sample size, he is not that guy. And we don't have the time to mess around to see it, this year anyway, to see if he's going to grow into that player who's going to have an every, everyday spot on this team. Because when this team is completely healthy, there is no spot for Connor McMichael unless... You know, you take someone like if I was going to pick the odd man out, I would say it's Lars Eller. And then you could put Connor McMichael in Lars Eller's spot. I could see that. So that would be one spot. But for right now, the Caps obviously did not like what they had right now in Connor McMichael and Joe Snively. That's why they went out and picked up Sonny Milano. That is why they picked up Nicholas Obel. So that is why they went out and did that, right? Uh, Kubel, excuse me. So. You know, obviously the Capitals assessed what they had on the ice. You know, they gave Connor McMichael and, you know, to the people that are saying that Connor McMichael has not had his opportunity. I do agree with you. He has not not had enough of the opportunity, but he didn't light it up in the preseason and the small sample size that we did see from him on the big team in the regular season did not evoke that we need more of this in the lineup. You know, and if you want to know what I'm talking about, what you know when you see it, that it's the right player. Take a look at someone like Sonny Milano. When you saw him play in the first game and he was driving for the net and he was getting all those shots on the net, you're like, that's the guy. I mean, that kind of, that's what we're looking for. That's the guy. And, uh, you know, I would say that's, that's the biggest thing right there is that the Capitals, when they saw what they had in Connor McMichael this year on the ice, they didn't say, we need more of that. And I'm not saying that it, that's never going to be the case, but I'm saying for right now, I don't think he's fully cooked. I don't think that, you know, he's he's ready for it. We saw that in Hendricks LaPierre last season too. You know, when I talked with J.J. Regan about it, we talked about, you know, it wasn't sustainable. They were good in small sample sizes, but they didn't find a way to sustain it. Capitals have got to get ready. Uh, as they take on the Lightning on Friday, just to wrap up the show here, it's going to be a tough out. You know, the Lightning won multiple Stanley Cups, so it's not going to be easy for this Capitals team. Some big news coming up next week. We have some pretty big interviews on the show. I have Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington back on the show. I have Michael Marzacco of Stars and Sticks on the show. And the big one for me, this is a huge one for me. Um, you know, one of the huge ones I've been so lucky on this show, show so far, Joe Beninati and JJ Regan and all these different John Walton, all these big guys that have come on the show. Um, but I have another big one to add to the list and it's Mike Vogel, a really, um, a big moment for me just to have him on the show, a guy that has covered this team for so many years. He is the encyclopedia of this team. And the, one of the things that impresses me most about Mike Vogel is his ability to um, think about something, recall a, a stat of a, a player that played on this team 
15 years ago and he can pull it out of a hat and go, this player against this team did this stat boggles my mind. And I know that he doesn't have Google in front of him or no one's whispering into his earpiece. He can just recount all these stats because he's covered this team for so many years. So anyway, boring story later, I am so excited to have Mike Vogel on this, on this podcast next week. Um, so I will, you know, get you more uh, details on that when I'm going to air that podcast, but I'm going to be recording that with him next week. And, you know, I'm just kind of keeping you guys updated with who's going to be on the show. And I'm very excited to have Matt Wyrick and Michael Marzacco. And the big one for me is Mike Vogel on this podcast. It's going to be a must listen. So anyway, just some positive news around this podcast as I've been trying to get him um, on this show for some time. There are some other guys I want to cross off the list and I'm working on it. I would love to have Alan May on here. I'd love to have Craig Lachlan and another big one for me, a guy that I I respect a lot. It's Tarek El-Bashir. I love his work that he's covered this team for so many years. I'm working on getting him on the show as well. I'm doing what I can do. I'm knocking them out one after the other here. Anyway, thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.